Hi there, my name is Shoshana, and I'm a librarian at the Ypsilanti District Library. Welcome to the library's podcast, Ipsy Stories. Ipsy Stories is a podcast about the history of Ypsilanti told in story form by historians, academics, community members, and local experts. This podcast seeks to unearth stories and perspectives that may be new to you and are often unheard. Our hope is that by listening to these episodes, you'll gain better understanding of our collective past, present, and future. The views expressed by each guest are their own and do not represent the views of the library. The Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti celebrated its 100th birthday on April 13th, 2021. So what is this service club all about, and what has it done during this past century? Bill Nichols is a retired chemistry professor and has lived in Ypsilanti since 1965, the last 20 years as a member of the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti. His is the first voice you'll hear answering the first question. Jerry Jennings is a retired university professor and member of the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti for the past 25 years. His is the second voice you'll hear answering the first question. He'll also be answering the second question. For anyone who hasn't heard of this institution, what is the Kiwanis Club? Uh, very early in the 20th century, uh probably because of the change in American culture from being rural to more cities. When cities were formed, that city populations grew. Groups within the cities formed for a variety of different purposes. Some of them were social groups like elks and the moose and the eagles, but others were uh, social but also dedicated to service to their communities. They were communities like or organizations like uh, Kiwanis and Rotary, uh, and the Lions, each of them having uh, some dedicated purpose in a way to serve the communities, but also uh, as social organizations where they got to meet each other and have common purposes within their communities. Kiwanis is an organization of volunteers which come together to provide services to the, in the community, projects to improve the lives of children. We emphasize the fact that we work with one child and, and one community at a time, because they're Qantas clubs in many, many communities. We believe we can achieve more by working together than by working as individuals alone. We're a diverse group or mix of uh, ages, genders, occupations, professions, and interests. There are clubs in elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and even uh, for college-age people. As an international organization, there are Kiwanis clubs all over the world. Kiwanis is not a political or a, re a religious organization. We try to serve 
as many people as we can in each community. What is the history of the name Kiwanis? Let's go back to the beginning. Kiwanis was formed in uh, 1914 by two men who lived in Detroit. They saw the need to, to provide an organization that would serve the community differently than so many other organizations had. They formed this organization initially without any particular purpose other than uh, bringing people together in discussions. The word Kiwanis is actually a derivation of an Indian word that had many uses in the native Indian community. It has come to mean, in fact, those two men using Kiwanis to mean we build, we build, became the motto for the Kiwanis clubs for many, many years. So that was really where the word Kiwanis has some beginning in some American Indian language. When was the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti founded, and what were conditions like in Ypsilanti at that time? Ypsilanti Kiwanis Club was founded very early in, in the um, national, international history of Kiwanis. The very first Kiwanis Club was founded in Detroit, and shortly after that, in 1921, Ypsilanti Kiwanis was formed. The conditions uh, at, at that time, it was 1921, right after World War I. The United States, the country, and, and Ypsilanti all were suffering with economic problems. Looking back, it probably was motivated by the, by the needs in the community, by the Ypsilanti community leaders, that they should be coming together to help their community. So we are celebrating our 100th anniversary this year. It was formed, as Bill said, on April 13th in 1921. So we're doing some things this year to celebrate that anniversary. That's our individual club. Clubs are formed all over Michigan and all over the country and all over the world, for that matter. That was a very significant event for us in 1921. And we've been growing ever since and doing hundreds and hundreds of service projects in the community. At the time it was formed in 1921, we had just gone through a world war, and that had a significant effect on the social and economic characteristics of the nation, and Ypsilanti in particular. So it was a motivational thing to have a service organization to help in the community in some way. The automotive industry was just beginning to develop. There was a need for improved education. And that was what was one of the early focuses of the Kiwanis Club in Ypsilanti. We began to develop with a real focus on the local schools and the particular school district that we'll tell you about finding the Lincoln Consolidated Schools. Who were the founders of the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti? And can you tell me more about them? Yeah, the original founders of, of Ypsilanti Kiwanis were the business people in town. Business people in town, also working with some of Michigan State Normal College professors, Michigan State Normal College, which has evolved into being named Eastern Michigan University. Direction of the club has grown over the years. In addition to being just the Kiwanis Club working in the community, we've worked with individual groups within the community. There are Kiwanis organizations in the middle schools and the high school called the Key Club and at Eastern Michigan now, called the Circle K Club, 
where all of them individually are, are service organizations for the communities, in addition to Kiwanis itself being a, a service organization for the Ypsilanti community. Recently, we developed what's called an action club that works with handicapped students, forming a group where they too are a service group for the community. Altogether today, there are over 800,000 members of Kiwanis in 80 countries and regions of the world. What are the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti's local functions today, and how have they changed over time? In order to serve the community, Kiwanis has two parts to that procedure. The first part is, in order to really service the community, money is needed. Kiwanis gets involved in, in fundraising projects that raise money, and then uh, we're also then involved in projects directly with the community, where often we spend that money in helping the community. Over the years, some of the projects that we have been involved with include actually the founding of the Lincoln School District in 1922 uh, from collection of, of rural schools, which we'll talk about a little bit more in detail later on in, in our podcast. Over the years, Ypsilanti Kiwanis was instrumental in the formation of Riverside Park by collecting properties to create Riverside Park. We were instrumental in creation of Frog Island Park that a Kiwanian was able to negotiate an agreement with Detroit Edison, who at that time had owned what is called Frog Island, and had it transferred ownership to the city of Ypsilanti and created Frog Island Park. Back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, we were an entertainment group for kids, annually sponsored a circus in the Ipsy High School gymnasium. We've worked with the Boys Club in creating the baseball field over on Park Street. During the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Andy Smith, a local contractor, led Kiwanis in, in improvement projects in almost all the parks in the city of Ypsilanti. As a fundraiser, for many, many years, we sponsored a community chicken broil as one of our major ways of raising money. Back in the 1980s, we led the creation of, of the Full Circle Community Center on North Hamilton Street, which continues to this day. Our projects have been projects that have raised money and projects that have enabled us to use that money to support community organizations. How does the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti support state, national, and international endeavors of Kiwanis, and how have those changed over time? The club contributes financially to national and international endeavors. It's not just local contributions that it makes. We have joined with UNICEF in two particular kinds of projects in recent years. One of those is the iodine deficiency project that Kiwanis clubs all over the world have contributed money to, to provide iodine salt that is used in countries that do not have adequate iodine provided in their diets. That has gone on for about 15 years and has done a great deal to improve the health conditions of children all over the world. The other one is a more recent international project for helping with the problem of birth in countries where medical conditions are not very sanitary. We call it the neonatal project for dealing with the problem of tetanus. Tetanus is a deadly disease that can be distributed at birth from the mother to the child and, of course, often results in death to both of them. 
So we contribute money to that process. We raise money specifically for UNICEF that is used in a neonatal tetanus eradication problem. In your opinion, what have been the major projects the Ypsilanti Qantas Club worked on during the 100 years of its operation? Qantas, as we have said before, we're, we're serving the children of the world and, and the children of, uh, of Ypsilanti. Historically, probably the one summary thing that we have worked on continuously over our 100 years of existence has been service to our parks in the city of Ypsilanti. As mentioned earlier, it began with the creation of Frog Island Park in Riverside Park. It was followed with work led by Andy Smith. His contracting company actually created the road in Riverside Park that loops around Riverside Park. We've been involved in the baseball diamonds up in, in Recreation Park, the creation of those baseball diamonds. Current project that we have going with, with our parks is the Recreation Park Triathlon. Every summer we have an event in, in the park with the Rutherford Pool people. Uh, that is a triathlon. The kids participate in a swimming event and a racing event, and three children-oriented triathlon events and leading to all the kids walking away with some kind of ribbon awarded for their participation. Celebrating our 100 years, we recently were awarded by a state of Michigan organization, a recreation park and park organization, for our 100 years of service to the parks in Ypsilanti. We are about to install and unveil a centennial boulder in Recreation Park that the city has permitted us to install in Recreation Park to acknowledge our century of service to the city of Ypsilanti Parks. You might have experienced one of the events we have in the Heritage Festival. That's been our duck race, and that's one of the things that we have sponsored when, of course, we've had the Heritage Festival. We assume we'll continue that when the festival returns. It's a fundraiser, but it's also a way for us to entertain children and get a little idea of how we can have fun during the festival. We really try to vary the things we do to involve the community. We have, of course, smaller projects that we do that support Meals on Wheels, Corner Health Center, SOS, Salvation Army and Hope Clinic, very, very important institutions in our community. And we feel we need to be supporting them in the work that they do and, of course, in helping families and children. Bill mentioned the Little League Baseball, which we support every year. And I mentioned before the Dictionaries for Third Graders. These are all projects that we carry on every year, and we've been doing it for many, many years. You know, we've been really focusing on the service part of Kiwanis, but there is a significant social part to it. Prior to COVID, we met weekly for lunch at Eastern Michigan University using their facilities at Eastern. Now, since COVID has been an issue, we've taken up dinners at a local restaurant in, in the evening, which adds the social part of Ypsilanti Kiwanis. What role did the Kiwanis Club of Ypsilanti have in the founding of the Lincoln Consolidated Schools? That's a very interesting historical question. The character of this region outside of the city of Ypsilanti, or town of Ypsilanti, was rural. And the business community in, in Ypsilanti saw the need to do more to bring the rural community in contact with the city community. The biggest issue was education. In 1921, 
the situation was that the world had been affected by the First World War, and we can see the effect of the Second World War and other wars recently on our communities and the need to continue to improve education. In the beginning, 1921, Qantas Club Ypsilanti contributed a great deal in developing the Lincoln Consolidated School District. At that time, there were 40 single-room school districts in this area of Michigan. Those were primarily rural schools with K-8 education opportunities. There were very few that went to 12th grade. So the thing is, there was not the level of education that was needed at that time. What the Qantas Club did was to bring together representatives from 41 room school districts into a dinner meeting, in fact. And it was held here in Ypsilanti at the Hawkins Hotel. I'm going to have Bill say something about the Hawkins Hotel, because yeah. that was where it was held initially. Yeah, the Hawkins Hotel was on Michigan Avenue, actually across the street from the downtown library. The facade of the Hawkins Hotel survives. The rear portion of the hotel has been demoed over the years. The Hawkins Hotel that Kiwanis had their initial meeting back in 1921 uh, at that time was viewed as the nicest hotel between Detroit and Chicago along the old Chicago Road. That meeting was significant and it was repeated in following years. What they did in working in conjunction with the normal school, which was itself trying to work to improve the education in the one-room school districts. The normal school had leaders there who were training to be organizers and uh, educators of the teachers and the people in those one-room school districts to build up their schools. But what they concluded was they needed to have one particular school district close to Ypsilanti that would be located in a rural area. And, of course, Lincoln is about 10 miles south of Ypsilanti. So it, it's a pretty good drive out there and has brought together 12 local schools, particularly that were brought together to form the Lincoln Consolidated Schools. What they did was have a representative of the Kiwanis Club assigned in each of those schools to assist them on the direction and assistance of the normal school faculty to carry out activities in the one-room school buildings to help the teachers. So they were really kind of like teacher assistants, working with those teachers in those one-room buildings. That was the very beginning of it. They came together and determined how they could form a school that they has become, the Lincoln Consolidated Schools, a K-12 school district. Now, the big addition, of course, was the high schools. What they really saw was the need to provide practical, applied educational experiences in the high school. They built several shops, including welding and automotive, metalworking, and that type of thing that children could have access to in high school and learn some practical skills. That was operating in conjunction with the academic areas so that their reading and writing and math skills were improved as much, which, of course, has become the pattern for schools all over the country. It was significant that they started that. The Kiwanis Club continued and its own members participated in the schools. It wasn't just a matter of having a meeting and getting people together, but they actually became active in those local schools to help out. And in fact, one of the things that occurred, as Bill mentioned earlier about the makeup of Kiwanis at that time, 
was very heavily professional people. And some of those were doctors, and they contributed their time in the schools to provide medical assistance to children. Now, those one-room school districts did not have much medical service available for the children. So the doctors themselves, as members of Kiwanis Club, went to those schools and offered some medical assistance to children. So it was more than just bringing a group of people together to talk about education, but the actual services they offered as members of Kiwanis Club were things that were needed to help children in those communities. It really is an expanded program. And since that time, of course, Lincoln Consolidated Schools have grown and developed and serve a very much larger area in the rural communities. How can people get involved? Well, we have a website that is www.ipsilanikiwanis.weebly, spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y, dot com. There's a connection to express any interest that you might be involved. Or if by chance you know anybody in town who is a Kiwanian, all of us would welcome new members. The composition of Kiwanis probably pretty much reflects what Ypsilanti is. In the beginning, Kiwanis was formed by local businessmen, which was principally males. But over time, that has evolved just as Ypsilanti has evolved. I could also mention that since everyone has access to computer services, and Bill mentioned the one website, Michigan District of Kiwanis, which represents all the clubs in the state of Michigan, has a website that will tell you the full story of Kiwanis in the state of Michigan. And that is, if you go on the site, it's www.mi.kiwanis1.org. Let me go over that again. www.mi, for Michigan, .kiwanis1. Kiwanis1 is one word, .org. And that will take you to the Michigan District Office, which is in Mason, Michigan and that's serving all of the Qantas clubs in Michigan. You get a great deal of information from that source. Yeah, we also have a Facebook page, which is just accessible by searching for Ypsilanti Qantas Club that tells what's going on with the club. A special thank you to Sam Killian for all his work on the Ipsy Stories webpage. We couldn't do it without you, Sam. A special thank you to local musician Annie Palmer for providing music for this podcast. You can check out more of her music at anniepalmermusic.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening to Ipsy Stories. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing and telling your friends and neighbors about this podcast. You can subscribe to Ipsy Stories wherever you find your podcasts. You can also explore previous episodes with additional resources at ipsylibrary.org slash ipsy stories. If you have ideas or story suggestions, you can get in touch with me at shoshana at ipsylibrary.org. That's S-H-O-S-H-A-N-N-A at Y-P-S-I-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Yeah.
hey, thanks for listening all the way to the end of the episode. In our next episode, we'll be learning about the history of and the research done by the Washtenaw County African American Genealogical Society, which works to unearth family histories and connections that have been hidden, sometimes hidden intentionally, from co-founder Cheryl Garnett. We'll also learn about some of her family history that she has learned about through her research with the Society. If you don't want to miss it or other future episodes, you can always subscribe to Ipsy Stories on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tell all your friends and neighbors about us too. Bye now.